KD has two drive-through rings, though. He went to McDonald's and picked them junks up. And somehow he has no pressure on him to win at all. And he goes to play with Devin Booker. He's on a world tour. He's a thought. He's getting passed around like a thought, going from star to star. They Kyrie finished with him, and now he's going, he going to Devin Booker. He's, this, this dude's Bernice Burgos. He's the Bernice Burgos of the NBA. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, what you know about benchmark? Uh-huh. They're speaking the facts that you wanna hear. They rep a jersey, the vision is clear. Diamonds glisten like a chandelier. You know what I'm here for, like Michelle Lynch. It clutch time, we do not flinch. Real brothers, we do not switch. Hit home runs with the right pitch. Who run the city? <gasps> what to do when they hating on you? I feel like Kobe 2010. I taking an L, all I need is a win. This is business, you know how they go. They playing the seats, now it's time to grow. Tune in now, gotta be in the know. Showtime, bitch, my butter blow. We know. Yeah, welcome back. Welcome back to another episode of the Bitch Mob ENT Podcast. Big Three is in the building tonight. Miles, smooth operator Davenport. How you doing? Doing good. Greg, Mr. Hot Takes, the Bacon Mother sends me here. How you living? I'm good, bro. I'm good. Can't complain. Basketball is back. All-star break was done. Before we get into looking at the second half, right? So obviously. I don't know if y'all agree, disagree. All-Star Weekend was very mid. Skills Challenge was trash. Three-point contest was booty. All-Star Game was booty. After All-Star Weekend, right, what do you think? Because everybody's talked about how bad it was. Talking on the solution side, what do you think could be done for the All-Star Game, All-Star Weekend? And part two is like, what do you think we can do, well, not us, but the league for – you know, the low management and the players forcing trades. Like, what are some solutions? Because we talked on the show how much of a problem it is. What can actually be done for a solution for us? I think they'd have to incentivize the game and maybe some of the events somehow. Yeah. None of the big names are going to do the skills challenge anymore, the dunk contest. Like, I mean, Zion said he might do it next year, but what are the odds that he makes it to the All-Star game? So, I mean, you got to pay these guys. That's that's what it's coming down to. They're not going to try for, like, a, a pickup game. That's what it's become. It's like a pickup game or practice or whatever you want to call that because that wasn't basketball for most of it. You got guys taking shots from half court and guys one on four just running past everybody and getting layups and dunks and just padding stats and – I mean, I turned it off after the first five minutes. I was like, I got better things to do. I got to help Jace with homework and all that stuff. So why am I wasting my time with this basketball game? So they got to figure figure this out somehow. Because the last few years, I mean, the first year they did the draft made it kind of interesting. But I think since then, with the load management and – now it's so late in the year. We only got, what, 25, 26 games left. Guys aren't really trying to go hard this weekend. This is really a time to rest and take a break. Um, so, yeah, I don't know what Adam Silver can do besides adding some more money to the weekend, but we'll see what happens. 
Greg, what's your thoughts on the low management side? What can be done? Low management. My opinion on two fronts. Yeah. To add a one-on-one game, one-on-one tournament, get rid of the skills challenge. That's been booty for years now. One-on-one. And then for the low management aspect, you got to make the regular season matter. Everybody in the media talks about rings, 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 rings. So I don't blame the players when they decide, yo, I want to be at peak strength because all y'all talk about is rings that matter to my career. So if I don't get a ring because I played all 82, y'all going to look at me, oh, he booty. When I sit, oh, you lazy. Some people, I don't knock it, bro, because rings matter so much now. So the regular season has no value anymore. Right. The, the, the NBA doesn't have to change on, on its face. Like what, you, what you've been seeing from the NBA, the, the, the typical NBA, the classic, you know, stuff you're used to, the NBA finals, the all-star break, the way it's kind of structured, it's all going to change. I, you hear rumors about it too. Like Adam Silver's thinking about rolling out a, a mid-season tournament or in-season tournament um, where these guys would uh, be playing for another championship, kind of like, you know, I think soccer leagues do it. From what I understand, they do that too, where they have like another tournament within the season before the playoffs. I don't, people aren't too hot on it because it's not what you're used to seeing. But at the same time, like what else can Adam Silver possibly do to make these guys want to play more play games? And the way you do it is you kind of embed it within the 82 game schedule. So it's, it's, you let you lengthen the season, you make it longer. These guys play into July, maybe, right. This you know, and um, all you're going to be up against is some summer baseball, right. And training camp football, you should win that battle on TV ratings. And you, have that midseason tournament where you incentivize it with a with a large lump sum of money and bonuses for these guys who win and can and go far in the tournament and obviously a championship of some kind that you can name maybe up to Kobe Bryant maybe up to somebody, um, and you do that you do that I think it's another way to incentivize like the, the more accolades for these guys to win you know you didn't win a championship but you won that or you won the Kobe Bryant whatever award for in, in this tournament I don't know it's something along those lines that'll happen but. I think that's how you kind of incentivize guys to play more in the middle of the season. You know, you, you don't add games. You just lengthen up. You lengthen the season. You add that tournament, and you see how it goes. you got to start to experiment because the product is suffering, And you know, with what, what you're currently doing. It's not working. So I think that something along those lines will happen to kind of affect load management. Um, I, don't, I don't think you'll ever fully get rid of load management, but if you can limit it as much as possible with uh, incentivizing games and creating more urgency and importance behind the games, then – that's what you do. And I think a tournament, mid-season tournament, probably does that. Um, and people have to get used to it. People will complain. But when they see the level of play, that's all that's going to matter. It's all, all you're going to care about is how hard got to play. And I, I can get behind that. So I think that's what they'll probably do at some point. I think it's a good idea. And I think it, you, have to, you have to think outside the box, and that's a good place to start. I think the mid-season tournament is going to be good. I think they should lower the amount of games. We talked about it on the show. If there's less games, hey – then there's really no reason for low management. If they do a 66-game season, I think that makes the regular season matter more, too, because it's less games. And maybe, maybe you take the approach of, I know the, the reason being because the money, but the plan, that makes the season longer. That just makes the season longer. Maybe it's just the first eight to come in. It's exciting, but it's like, all right, you're it's teams, the 10 seed. No, yeah. no, like that's just making the season longer. What's been the main issue that they've been complaining about and the reason for low management is so many games and they want to be at peak level for playoffs. 
that's how I view it. And I think the load management, I saw, I think it was Jalen Rose said this. If you want load managed, you got to do it at home games. You can't be doing it in away games. People in a away game, LeBron, for example, not saying him, but LeBron, for example, better example, Kawhi. People coming to see Kawhi. Clippers playing the Nets. You find out 10 minutes before the game, Kawhi not playing. Nah, bro. Do that at home. Yeah, it's a nightmare. Do that at home because of the way the away teams, these are fans that come to see you. They're not going to see you till next season, essentially. Unless you're a Western Conference team, they're not going to see you. If you do that at home, they got another game to come to. There's got to be some kind of penalty for guys like Kawhi Leonard and what they do. Because Kawhi Leonard and, and and Kevin Durant does this too. I know he plays and he loves basketball and, and we, we get he does. I, I he respects the game, but when that guy's hurt, he doesn't play till he's one hundred percent. Like if there's even a cubicle that has a small scratch on it, he's not playing. And then Kawhi Leonard's the same way. So if you if you have that kind of situation with those two guys, then you need to be penalizing something's that happen. The players will never agree to the methods that the NBA could roll out to, you know, to reduce load management. And that's why there's going to be another lockout. But one of the many reasons why there'll be another lockout, you can thank Kyrie Irving and Ben Simmons and James Harden for your next lockout, because there's going to be one for sure. It's going to be a battle to figure this out, but, uh, and mainly Kyrie Irving, might I add, mainly him. Um, but, you know, it, you have to have some kind of penalties for guys who just don't play because something slight is off. All right, like you and you got it, and you got a nail in your tie, you go to work. You know, the equivalent is like, you know, Kawhi, he, he put this, he has a hangnail on his toenail and he's not playing. You know, that, that's what we're talking about. Like, it, it's it's a tough situation. It's a tough situation. So I, I think they got to figure it out. But I think this, it, whatever the solution is going to be, it is going to lead to a lockout. We're, we're definitely looking at a lockout here. I fully expect it. Um, you have guys like Ben Simmons just choosing not to play. Um, you guys got, you got, and I'm, you know, I know under the guise of mental health and yeah, I'm not, he probably had, he had issues. All right. He probably, you know, you know, he has issues. All right. So he probably does. Like he, he, something's wrong with that guy. Doesn't leave him out of it. But even if you don't, you do James Harden getting fat mid season, showing up, rolling into training camp, right. Not trying to play for real. He was at a, the Jamaican hut in Houston, eating turkey legs and shit. <laughs> You know, and, and Kyrie, Kyrie, you know, just choosing, just choosing when and when he doesn't want to play, like whenever he, you know, just showing up whatever he wants, not taking it seriously, right? Um, we've got, we've got a lockout on our hands for sure, all right. And and I'm I'm team owner on this one. I'm sorry, I I I love basketball too much to not play to 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 to. I, I'm a play no matter what, and I'm going to the YMCA. Ain't no stakes in the line. I'm going to the Y. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So you alluded to it. Katie says it's good for the league, the forced trades and whatnot. Miles, Greg, who I want to touch on this. What can be done on that aspect of like these forced trades? Like Charles Barkley's like, hey, if I give you money, there's no way we get a divorce six months into this. Like, do they put something in the contract where it's like you gotta, hey, you gotta do at least the first two years of the contract, so it helps out the team and the player. If the team is bad, they gotta perform to a certain level, so the player stays. The player just wants to be out to play with his friends. He gotta stay. Like, what can be done on that aspect? Because that's one of the biggest issues with the lockout coming up is not even so much the load management, because that's more so something that's pissing off for the fans, oh, yeah. but the owners. 
mainly at Pistol, I was like, I, I signed you. I think I'm going to have this player for a four-year contract. And a year in, you talk about you want out, you're going to just not play, you're going to show up out of shape, you're going to cause absolute hell to make me force to trade you. If you show up out of shape, they should be able to void your money. They should be able to void for, for every day you're out of shape, you're losing the game check. Now, will the players ever agree to that? No. But, for, like, bruh, but I'm, just, I'm just being honest. Like, if you show up out of shape, you, the whole function of your job is being in shape. If I, if I show up to work without a tongue tomorrow, I can't, I can't talk to people and shit. Like, that's the, I'm sorry. I'm getting upset. <laughs> I'll try to, but yo, I'm serious. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I'm just being, like, if that's really what irritates me. Like, the whole function of your job is being in shape. It's predicated on you being in shape. You're one of the best athletes in the world. You come in and you come fat because you don't want to be there and you're trying to sabotage, then we got to, we, we, we got to, we, we got to find a way to, to make you pay for it. You know what I mean? Like, one way or another. And maybe it, the way around this is you go, okay, well, you sign this four-year deal. We can't trade you. The team can't trade you, and you can't ask for a trade within a year of that contract. You've got to wait a year before you can ask nothing. And i got to wait a year before I can, I can move you. Maybe we do that. Maybe we put, a, like, a statute limitation on it, on, on trade requests. And not only trade requests, but that's worked both ways. So it's fair, right? So the team can't trade you. You have no trade cost for a year, and you can't ask for a trade. That's the give. That's the take. So if you sign this long-term deal... Just know you, we're married. We're stuck for a year. Maybe we do that, you know. But um, I don't know. I'm throwing things out there. I think I think those are fair our thoughts, though. I think the, I think the, what I'm saying is going to come up at those and at those tables and in those discussions with the billionaires and with the players with CJ McCollum and uh, Kyrie Irving. Ironically, is on the the uh, players association board. Players association board, right? He's a, he's a VP, is right. So that is so ironic. So he'll be sitting there. And they're gonna be like, "Yo, you are the problem. Like, you, I'm glad you're here. Let's talk about you." Let's talk about what you've done, okay? <laughs> Let's talk because you, my friend, are the, the real thorn in our side. All right, I hope I hope people understand when that guy can't can't isn't as talented anymore. His game declines. They about, he about to get the illest boot out the league. It's gonna be ugly. I just want people to understand that because I don't think owners, the players may love him, but the owners and the, and, and some coaches they won't say it. They don't rock with dude. That's a real thing. So I just want people to understand that. But um, I think you know I, I don't know. Am I bugging like? Is that, is that fair? What do you guys think? I don't think you're bugging. I think that's the – there has to be some type of level because I can see on some aspect because we're, like, pro player, of course. So when it's a situation, for example, before this year, right, where the Kings just were sucking year after year after year after year after year, if De'Aaron Fox was like, I demand a trade, I'm in 100% support. Mm -hmm. So I think you have to play something – in position where it's like the player just can't do whatever they want because they want to go play with their friend. But at the same time, owners, teams, y'all got to be putting the best product out there. Yeah. I'm surprised SGA hasn't got to the point of like, I want to force a trade. I'm surprised Damian Lillard hasn't got to the point that, hey, I want to force a trade. In those situations, I'm 100% on board because the team isn't putting the best product out there. And if star players' careers being wasted, and then at the end of it, for example, if SGA stays in OKC for his whole career, we'll be like, oh, that's dope. He played his whole career with OKC. He'll never be in a conversation with the greats. They're not winning OKC. Right. Damian Lillard, as great as he is, respectfully, based off of how we view greatness, one of the things is rings. We'll be honest. Dame's not getting a ring in Portland. It's funny because I was just talking to my brother about 
whether or not Damian Lillard's a superstar. I think part of the reason why I can even have that argument and say he's he may not be is because of the fact that he's there. Now, he is a superstar level talent and player, but I think he's in the fringes. He's in the fringes of being a superstar because you look at his career, he's had some ugly playoff losses. He had that loss where Drew Holiday thoroughly outplayed him when they went against the Pelicans. I remember that loss vividly. Uh, I think he went to he made it to the Western Conference Finals maybe one time. Was it once, I believe, in his career? Um, and that's not all his fault. It's a team sport, but... You know, like when I think about superstars, I think about guys who carry guys and I carry teams and can lift them up to new heights, right? Um, for a while, Kevin Durant's superstar status was up in the air for me for a long time. For a long time, I mean, I don't think he was a superstar the year they lost to uh the Warriors in that 3 1 series. I didn't, up until that point, I didn't think he was a superstar, and him going to Golden State didn't really solidify it for me in his time in Brooklyn, didn't solidify it for me either because there were times where it was like. I'm kind of talking myself out of his superstar out of his superstar status now. I don't know, man. What's superstar? Yeah. Because because yo, Miles, he got swept with Kyrie right next to him. 4-0. No fight. They went, they went out, they went out like ass up. <laughs> they went out bad. <laughs> they went out I, bad. I agree. If you look at if we look at LeBron's resume, if we look at LeBron's career, can we look at any time he was just swept? I mean the finals against the Warriors, but that was him against the world. That was the Avengers on the other side of the court. To your point, they were that year. That was when Kyrie was out. K Love was out. Was out the year he that got swept. He had he had KD. KD and Kyrie was on the, the same court with each other. I, I can't comprehend. You don't get one game. So Kyrie had been traded actually, right? And he dragged that team with like Jeff Green as a second traded. best player. Yeah. Right. Pretty, so, yeah. so he had already proven goat status, just getting in there. That was some goats. That's that's the iconic moment in his career. What what is Katie's iconic moment in his career? What is it? I'm waiting. Does he have one? Does he have a moment like LeBron, like to 25 straight against the Pistons, or or um, getting his team to the finals in 20, in 2007, year four, right? Or or. Uh, the LeBronto series where he shot 80% on jump shots and swept. I think, was it a sweep in that series? Or was it a sweep? Or was it, did they maybe? I think gentleman sweep. Gentleman sweep, 4-1? There was that, where he shot like 80% all turnaround fades, like killing them. What, where's, what, what's KD's signature moment? What's his iconic moment? Does he have one? The three I in one's face to shut him out in Cleveland? Maybe. <laughs> that, yeah if you think about it that probably is because every time now when you see highlight reels where they talk about katie they show that play often but outside of that it's just like nothing that really stands out he has 50 point games and 40 point games but there's nothing that really stands out as like when you think of katie yo you remember that game it's like uh, the three and K LeBron's face is cool. Okay, is if that's your best moment, can I really give you like that like superstar stuff? What does superstar mean? I think superstar. I think just a guy who can lift you out the mud. Like I don't care who's around him. You got him. You got a chance to be in the championship. Like, you got him. You got a chance. I guess Katie gives you a chance to be in the championship. I guess he does, but that there wasn't any evidence of that in Brooklyn. I, well, I, I didn't see that. <laughs> I'm just I'm just being honest. Well, in Brooklyn. <laughs> But seriously, though, he was with Kyrie last year, and we got swept. We got swept. We didn't win a game. 
Yeah, because in Brooklyn, it was just a joke. This is like a Key and Peele skit, like a bad... No Key way. No way. Don't, yeah. don't, don't do the blame. Don't don't blame the organization to bail him out. Because I think this is a part of... This is on... We were going to talk about this. We were going to talk about how people bail uh, KD out, right? They're, how he... Does, there's no pressure on dude, right? I think Stephen A had the list, and he he named the five guys in the NBA who had the most pressure to win a championship. And there was... CP3 was on there before Kevin Durant was on there, which is a CP3 joke. CP3 was number one on his list. Crazy. So, so because he doesn't have a ring, though. But, but, ring. Okay, but he's been but, around the world and he hasn't got has a ring yet. Okay, but KD has two drive-through rings, though. He went to McDonald's and picked them junks up. So, what are we talking about? Like, is it is it there's pressure on dude too? He like he got swept with Kyrie on the court. It was not. It was not. This is not a Nets problem. This was not an organizational issue. I had we had you and Kyrie. You guys want to play together. They gave him everything they wanted. Everything they wanted. And for whatever reason, we didn't win anything. Well, I don't know why. It's Kyrie's fault. But, it's, but on some level, it's Kevin Durant's fault, too. And somehow he has no pressure on him to win at all when he goes to play with Devin Booker. He's on a world tour. He's a thought. He's getting passed around like a thought, going from star to star. They, Kyrie finished with him, and now he's going, he going to Devin Booker. He's a, he's a, he's a whole thought. This, this dude's Bernice Burgos. He's the Bernice Burgos of the NBA. Don't talk about Jalen Brown, wife like that. That's 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 interesting choice. Yeah, that's really interesting because that joke is a a step great father. <laughs> Come on, bro. You don't even believe in getting vaccinated. You better be some of the father. That's wild. I think too when you talk about that conversation of, of who has the most pressure on them. I don't recall if he mentioned his name, but I think a name that needs to be up there is Nikola Jokic. I think when you talk about who has the most pressure, you have to look at the team. You got to look at who's the best player on the team. You got to look at where the team is at. Yes. Denver is number one seed. And by all accounts in Vegas, all the talking heads, the commentators, the sports analysts, the people that get paid and are supposedly way smarter than us are picking a cola for a third MVP. If this man get three straight MVPs, you can't tell me the pressure for him to actually win isn't on the cola. Yeah, Nicola ain't, Nicola ain't sniffed a finals yet. No, and if he get three straight MVPs, three straight, come on, bro. I don't view Nicola as a superstar player, though. I know that's how people will, will lash out, but I don't see him. That, I've never seen him that way. I've always thought that as great offensively as he is, and as great of a passer he is, I think he's a brilliant player. He's amazing. I just feel like he has clear holes in his game, like his lack of athletic ability in in the post and playing against guys like when Anthony Davis sees him, he tears him up. I mean, it's bad. It's usually pretty bad. So I, I just and I just I don't really see superstar when I watch that guy, and, I, and my expectations of him, of, of him are not that high. Does that make sense? Like even if he wins three MVPs, my, I would, I don't expect him to drag that team to a finals. I just don't see in the NBA, the modern NBA, the guard is a guard league. You're a center. You rely on people to get you the ball. You can play point center, sure, but like you don't, you can't create offense down the stretch of a game. Like, I know, I know he's done it in the regular season and he's done it in some playoff games, but when they, when it really comes down to it, there are guys who are, who are better than you, right? They may not play as well as you do. Andy Davis just, just doesn't play the games, right? He just isn't available. But when Andy Davis is on, I'll take him any day over Andy Okich. I'm sorry. I just will. I don't care what the advanced numbers, I don't, know, I don't care what Vorp says, what the dorks will say to me. I will take Andy, because I know I've seen what Andy Davis done, done to that guy. I've seen it. I just watched it. So I don't, I don't know. But to my KD point, this is why you can't put him in conversation with Kobe, Braun, all that. You know, we because you don't hold him to the same standard, clearly. We're gonna make we're gonna make mistakes. LeBron played for Cleveland of all for, for, for crying out loud. It's Cleveland. 
they ain't they terrible organization, right? So if you don't call the Nets a terrible organization, Bron didn't get that excuse. So why should KD if we if if they were ever even in the same conversation to begin with, which they weren't, by the way, but people do that. So that's all I'm gonna say about Kevin Durant. I don't know, man. I, I know now uh Miles about to take that that stance about um it's the Nets and we're we're a clown show. We're a clown show, we were a clown show because of Kyrie. The clown show left. He has the red nose. It ain't it ain't Sean Marks, it ain't Joe Sy. So that guy's gone. Wasn't Brooklyn named the dirtiest city in America? Nah. <laughs> You're a damn lie. Yo, he knows no, he knows the list that <laughs> it didn't. <laughs> Miles is a troll. Looking right. at this, looking at the second half of the season, we got basketball back, right? LeBron already said he these next what 24 games they got are the most important games of his regular season career. How do we see the second half going in the east and in the west? You can start it off, Miles. The, the, the ball's in your court. It's, a, it's an MSG right now. Well, I think the Nets fade a little bit down to, like, maybe the 6-7 range into that play-in. And I think – Oh, you guys, you guys are taking our spot. You guys are going to keep surging. The Knicks are going to con- find consistency now when they haven't been consistent all year long. They're going to well, find consistency. <laughs> right? That's what's going to happen, right? You guys want to ride – You might do, By the way, Jalen, Jalen Brunson's playing at, like a, like, a ridiculous pace right now. He can't keep that up all the rest of the day. He cannot. Like it's some point it's gonna it's gonna fall. And you know Julius Randle's is a is it's not up. like he's taking threes and hitting crazy shots. His post oh, is crazy. It's like it's 15 and in for him. It's not like he's doing well, those are tough shots. It's six foot tall, bro. Yeah, and he's been doing it all season. And he showed that he could do it in the playoffs too last year. So I believe, like I, I'm a John Buckle believer. I'm a, I'm just saying he's playing at an unreal clip, and he had he would have to continue that for you guys to, to take us take our spot. You know, I'm just saying. Well, um, you guys aren't fine in the East, so that's all I'm gonna say. Beat Miami had a damn damn good win against Miami. I don't know why you think you gonna take our spot. You mind you you chilling where you at? Hey, does the five, does the five seed and the six seed play each other in the, in the playoffs? Is that how that works, or is it four five? It's four five three. It's four five. Four five. I wish it worked out that way, but it, it probably hopefully won't. you guys can get that five seed so we could play y'all in the the first round. That would be cool. Oh, can you guys getting the four? Yeah, we're getting the four. Wow. Oh, he's out of yo. Miles on a special kind of drugs today. You, <laughs> y'all four, y'all four behind the four seed. They're four behind. Yeah, we make up ground. We made good trades. We got Mitchell Robinson coming back, which that was the biggest weakness of the team this past what month and a half is we were playing Jericho Sims with the worst dunks in the NBA I've seen, and Hartenstein. Like that doesn't give me confidence. And we were still winning games. So Mitch comes back. Defense is solidified. Josh Hart's going to play a lot more minutes. And he's a winner. He, he does what you need him to do. He grabs rebounds. He gets steals. He passes it when he has to. So I'm, I'm looking forward to the second half because people are going to see the net. The Knicks are, you know, they're making headway. <laughs> four seed? Yeah, four Ooh. seed. Who's in the fourth seed? The, 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 the six Cleveland, seed? The Cavs. Okay, the Cavs are taking a step back, too. That's you also want to take a step back? Wow. Nah, I'm not going that far. I think I think, I think East is going to have minimal shuffle, movement. I really believe that. I think things are going to stay kind of where they're at. You saw the Sixers, Sixers win tonight against the Grizzlies. I think the West is where things are going to shuffle because it's, it's very tight. I think the Lakers are going to go about to go on a run. I, I think the Lakers are about to go on a little bit of a run. I think they're going to make a push. Um, and at worst, finish in seventh place. At best, finish in sixth. 
So I see it. I like that team a lot. I like the makeup of the team. The West, yeah, the West, all the teams are way, way more closer. If you're talking about from second seed to third seed, there's only three and a half difference. Third to fourth is only a, a game and a half difference. Five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, 13 are all within three, four games of each other. All right. Going all the way down to Portland, not saying they're going to run, but Portland, if they go on a run, they could be a seven seed. Yeah. Utah, they're only two games back of the six seed. Yeah. And I'm sorry, the six seed right now is Dallas. And the two games before All-Star break that Kyrie and Luka played with each other, they gave up like 125 points each game. And Jason Kidd said, we're trying, we're trying to outscore teams. Defense yeah. is not where our, prior, you know, our priorities lie, basically. He's an idiot. Um, so, and it's weird because he was a defensive player, you know, but I don't understand that, that take, but I think it's because he knows he has two guys in the backcourt who don't play a good defense. So that's where it comes from. And they they don't have rim protection either. And he lost the best defender though. He's gone. He's, he's on the nets. Um, so that, that he, he's kind of accepted their fate, um, that they're not going to play any defense, but yeah, I think the West will have a lot of shuffling. I think the Utah jazz are a wild card because in that six being two games back at the six seed, their goals is to not win. Right. They, they traded away good players at the deadline. And it's, it's because they want to be in the one, but sweepstakes. They have like 25 first round picks over the next two years or something ridiculous like that. So you know what they're trying to do. And so I think because they're going to take that step back, a team like the Lakers team like the Blazers, I think it's more likely to be the Lakers in my opinion, uh, because their method of winning is more sustainable. The Blazers, I think I saw Damian Lillard was averaging 38 points a game over his last 12 for them to be like breaking 500. So it's just not sustainable. It's the same reason why. It's the same thing I said about the Knicks. Jalen Brown, Jalen Brun, Jalen Brown, Jalen Brunson's playing out of his mind. Like he would have to just continue to tear teams apart, which he, which I'm rooting for the guy. I hope he does. But that's tough to ask out of one person. I, I'm rooting for J- Jalen Brunson is a separate entity than the Knicks for me. I, I've been rooting for Jalen Brunson for the longest time. I love that guy's game. I'm rooting for him, period. I don't care if he plays for you, your, your team. I, it's, about, it's about him. So, um, but no, I, I just think that, that when you rely on one player that much, it's tough. It's tough. I think the Pelicans, the Pelicans drop out too because Zion. Yeah, he's not coming back. He might be done for the season. So Zion, I can't see the Pelicans staying at number eight. I can't see, even though SGA been doing his thing and they've been balling. I can't see OKC. I can see OKC dropping. I can see the Pelicans dropping. I see Dallas dropping. Dallas will probably be in a playing team. Dallas is gonna fall. Yeah, it's, it's, isn't that crazy? They're gonna fall. They're, they're totally I, gonna fall. I think the sixth seed is up for grabs, it whether it's the Lakers or not. The sixth seed is up for grabs because yeah. Dallas. I don't trust what's going on in Minnesota. Anthony Edwards is their best player, but they ain't figure out how to play Rudy together with Cat. Cat's still out. Golden State, they still waiting for Steph to come back. We see it right now on TV. They struggling. Mm-hmm. I think that that that's up for grabs, honestly speaking. For real. I feel I feel the same way. I feel the at same the halfway, way. At this halfway point, if we had to give out some awards, who's your MVP? Uh, I guess Jokic. It's a fun pick. It's, it's the boring, boring pick, but that's the pick that makes, you know, I think it makes a lot of sense being the number one seed. Yeah, I think Jokic is probably the MVP, I would say. Um, six man of the year. I don't know. That's a little tougher. Six man of the year, right? I like. I'm thinking about viable candidates. Um, but your boy Russ. Your boy Russ. 
is is Russ is Russ? I, I had Russ in my mind. I did have Russ in my mind. I'm serious. I did think about Russ. Well, that's done up because they say he's gonna start with the Clippers. I'm saying that's why I'm like, is he actually gonna? I mean, at this point, maybe you could say he's, he could probably say he's the sick man of the year. Um, I guess, but that's about to change. His case is about to be gone. So I'm just thinking about other options, and I'm you know I'm getting stumped here. I'm gonna give uh, it to IQ. Okay, you probably you might have a case there. He, he's played well lately. He didn't start well though. Yeah, but we're talking about the last two months. Oh, what are you talking about? I'm talking about the whole first half. Yeah. I don't care about Russ and his horrible shooting percentages. And That's fair. That's fair. That's fair. IQ has a case. According to Vegas, they said the favorite right now is uh, Malcolm Brogdon. I, I, in my mind, I was thinking, I was, I'm, I'm like, I was thinking about Malcolm Brogdon, but I was like, does he start or does he not start? In my head, I'm like, does he start or that's Derek White? Because they got two weird looking light skinned dudes on that team. And there's both of them. So they're interchangeable. But, um, yeah, yeah, he has a case, too. And Malcolm Brogdon probably will win because the team has so much success. Um, but IQ has a, is a nice dark horse pick. I'm not, I'm not upset about that at all. He's embraced that role of the bench. He's done a good job. One of the reasons why they actually won some games. Tyrese Maxey kind of embraced that six-man role, too. He has, but it, has he – I know he missed some time, too. So I guess it's a little more difficult to just kind of peg him as the guy. Um, that's what I'm thinking. You know, and I also know he didn't embrace it right away. He wasn't very happy about losing that starting spot. Um, but yeah, which was, I did call. I saw how Melton was playing in that starting lineup, and I knew they wasn't going back to Tyrese. Once he got injured and Melton was playing well with Harton, and Harton was able to play better. Because uh, Tyrese needed the ball too. So Tyrese and Harton starting, it yeah. was messy from jump. And beyond that, too, it was like, you know, Fat Man don't play D. So you got to have someone besides, besides him who plays defense. And it made sense to have a guy like Melton, right? It, it actually makes a lot of sense. He compliments him much better. Catch and shoot guy, you know. He, compliment, he compliments Harton way. A lot of it. It's not about talent all the time. Compliments, compliments him better. And respectfully, Tyrese doesn't do a lot of the cutting off a ball. And Melton's just going to get in where he get in. Yep. He's going to go get a rebound. He's gonna he's gonna go crash the glass. He's gonna drop down for loose balls. He's gonna knock down a corner three, knock down threes at a nice clip. He's a he is a valuable player to have in today's NBA. He is so valuable to have in any in any any period of time in the league. He's a valuable player to have. So yeah, that, I think Memphis Memphis definitely met, missing uh De'Anthony Melton on that squad. On the flip side, we already seeing we got the the pro days are coming up and the workouts and the combine. Looking at it right. Who do you think is the actual best prospect? Of course, is a quarterback heavy draft, but who is the best actual prospect in the draft that's going to be like game changer? Hmm. I mean, I think Will Anderson from Alabama, the DMs. He, he was showing his measurables and his stats and comparing it to Von Miller, and you can see the similarities between the two. Like he's real athletic. He's got the bend you want from a a pass rusher, and I think playing for Alabama, that's an SEC team. Like that's mm -hmm. basically like a minor league football team right there. So he's he's ready. He's ready to come in and get you 10 sacks right now. So I think he's the most ready prospect as we're sitting here. Yep. Yep. I mean, me, I, I, I'm going to go. I mean, yes, Will Anderson is a great choice. I'm going to go with some guys that are under the radar. The guy bought from Boston College is A. Flowers, just from what I've seen. Like, I think he's going to be a, com a combine hero and he's going to 
raise his draft stock like crazy, go mid first round, maybe earlier than people expect. Um, I think the Jackson Smith thing, Enigma kid, who they're all saying runs like he's in quicksand. He's talented. The tape, the tape says another story. So I think it's one of those things that people overthink it, you know, and they're going to miss out on a great player. He's going to fall like on some Justin Jefferson type stuff. He's just going to fall and he's going to fall to a team that he shouldn't fall to. Hopefully it's giant, the Giants. But I think that makes a lot of sense. So I, and, and then B. John Robinson, what I've seen from him from Texas, I mean, he's in a terrible, he would, if he does the combine, which he may not have to do, he would tear it up too. all offensive players, by the way. Um, I'm not going to act like I care about defense. I, I you know, like I'm, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to be disingenuous here on the podcast, but for Jack, for Jackson Smith and Nigma, right? So Steve Smith broke, broke his tape down, said he's has a PhD in and route. Yeah. yeah. But he said he's a slot receiver. Do any of y'all think that he can actually be a number one? Yes, I do. I do. I think it's so funny that he's saying that too, because Devonte Adams isn't a burner. He's not a burner, but he has a PhD in route running. And he's a number one, un, unequivocally a number one. So why can't Enigma be the same thing with the body control he has, with his hands, with his ability to win, right? Win routes early, right? It creates separation. I don't see any reason why he can't be a number one for an offense. I think he's going he's to fall because his 40 time, if he even runs it at all, right? He may not run it at all, but if he runs a 40, won't be great. It'll be four, five, six. It'll be, it'll be whatever it is, four, five, right? But bruh. When you get on the field, the, the, he he is a terror to deal with. He's hard. To, so I think he's, he can be a number one. And my comp for him is like a Devontae Adams. That's what I think. I think he's kind of like, if best case scenario, that's what he will be in the NFL. Worst case scenario, I don't know, man. Like, I don't know, Calvin Ridley type deal. Calvin Ridley's a route running extraordinary. He's fast, but not a burner, per se. Is he fast like that, He's saying he's going to be, like, really good regardless. Yes. Yeah, I, he's an Ohio State guy. You know what that's like. What about your man's? Uh, Garrett Wilson. Yeah, you know what that's like. Olave. Olave. Olave, yeah. What's the, you mentioned, like, best-case scenario. What's best-case scenario for Anthony Richardson? Let me also just say this before we move on. Uh, Garrett Wilson said that your boy, that Enigma is going to be better than him. He's the best yeah, one. We saw said. the clip. We saw the clip in college, but mm. we don't know for a fact. Oh. Like, Garrett Wilson... He was saying that to be nice. The interview was, yeah. Oh, no, he, was. he doubled down, bro. He doubled down. They're already leaving. They know that they know they're certified route runners already. Him and Olave. They got a thousand yards each. Like I'm Bro, not- he doubled down on it at the Super Bowl. He was like doing an interview and he said it again. So with what you're talking about, I didn't even see that. Yeah. That's my point. He he really believes that. So I'm saying. I know you don't want it to be true because he's probably That's gonna be his a brother, giant. man. That's his brother. You're supposed to pump okay, whatever. He's gonna be a giant, and he'll probably be better. So we'll see. Man, I hope he doesn't go there. Sure. What's, what's <laughs> best case for Anthony Richardson? I've heard everything from Josh Allen comparisons to he's not that good. That thing. I've heard Josh Allen. I've heard he could be Jameis Winston. Like it's been mixed reviews on him. James Winston? Damn. Somewhere somebody said he's a mix between Cam Newton and Justin Fields. That's it's been it's been literally like it's been I was like, if you're putting him like that, then take him number one. Why would you pass on that? But I think I think he's a top ten quarterback at this at this point. The way he's getting hyped up and I mean the tools are there. Like it was never a question on the tools. Like you can see the the arm is a cannon. 
the speed is off the charts. Like you saw what Justin Fields did. Now imagine if you get a, a guy you can mold and turn into a passer like Josh Allen. So, I mean, I hope he goes to an NFC team so he could torment y'all, you know, Cowboys and Giants and all that. Or Lions, my bad, Lions too. Um, but, yeah, I think he's a top 10 quarterback in this draft. I think we'll see that's three. A, that's a that's – a, but that's, that's a that's a vague statement. I mean, there's a lot, ten top ten quarterback. The, the tenth quarterback in this draft might go in the seventh round. Whatever it is, well, six. the Panthers. Panthers need a quarterback, and they got. I heard. I heard the Lions might draft him. That'd be a waste. That'd Why not? Waste. Whoa, 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 whoa! No, 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 no! I mean, that'd be good. That'd be good because he would be able to sit behind Jared Goff. I think that'd be good. He goes to a place where he can sit, and he don't have to rush him out there. I don't want to wait. I don't want to waste his talent on the eight mile. That's the last thing I want to do. If he plays too early, it's not going to work out. And if he goes to the wrong team, it's not going to work out. He needs a, a, an offensive coordinator, an offensive mind like a Brian Dayball. He needs that because Brian Dayball will maximize his running ability, and that'll give him time while you're, you're using him in QB draw plays and all that stuff and fancy run plays with quarterbacks. That'll give him time to develop the throwing aspect of it. He needs a guy like that. See, that's why offensive. you guys should tag Daniel Jones, draft Anthony Richardson, and boom, the offseason's complete. If if the Giants, all right, but no, seriously, because I heard that there's rumors of the Giants looking at Hendon Hooker. They're talking to him. They've been talking to him heavy. If they drafted Hendon Hooker, my game plan for Daniel Jones doesn't change. I'm still giving him the bag. I'm still giving him money. He'll have trade value if we decide to move off of him in the middle of that contract, and you want to promote Hendon Hooker to the, and give him the quarterback job, QB1 job. I'm fine with that. If you want to draft the quarterback, do it. But pay Daniel Jones because he's your answer in the now. And, and he may be your answer, period, moving forward. But – I just your game plan with Daniel Jones stays the same. It stays the same. I mean, uh, if you think Hendon speaking, Hooker, Hendon Hooker's the rookie and the vet because he's almost thirty at this point. So, <laughs> speaking of what's the biggest need you think for the Giants in the draft coming up, and then Miles, what's the biggest need for the Jets in the draft coming up? Inside O line, and linebacker. Are two big needs for the Giants and wide receiver, obviously. Inside O-line, linebacker, and wide receiver, probably in that order, which is unpopular with Giants fans, but it's true. Linebackers suck. I mean, Jalen Smith and them dudes, was at, that was a bad situation. So they need help there. They need to be able to stop the run. So I think those two – and then cornerback too. But I put cornerback – I would put cornerback after wide receiver. So I think in that order, inside O-line um, – Linebackers, wide receiver, and then a quarterback. So off those needs, right? We already talked about the wide receiver. By any chance, are there any names that you looking at where you're like, yo, this O-line player inside O-line would work with our scheme. This linebacker would be, no, you don't play any pay attention to defense, but this linebacker, yo, I watched some of the tape. He would be perfect with the Giants and what they do on defense. And there's some names flying around out there. I, I'll be, I, I wouldn't be honest with, honest with anybody listening to this podcast if I said I knew him exactly off the top of my head. A cornerback I've been paying attention to recently was a kid from Utah. I don't remember his name exactly off the top of my head. I'm, I'm blanking on it. Um, but there's a cornerback from Oregon, too, Gonzalez, um, who's going to go with round one. He might be interesting for the Giants to take a look at um, as well. Uh, Ringo from the – Keely Ringo from, the, from Georgia, right, could be interesting. I, although I just see him get tar torn up against Ohio State, but that's also, you know, that that's them dudes, right? And he got torn up by their B team because Nigba wasn't even there. 
But still, right, I think he could be a good cornerback uh, in the NFL, too. Um, inside O-line, uh, I, I, there's a, a guy um, from Florida, from Florida. Um, I don't know exactly what his name is either. It's like Osiris or something weird like that. Um, I have a better, I have a better, I'll, I'll do my homework on the draft and be better with this soon. But those are guys that you can think of um, too. And then with the linebacker position, that's a work in progress too. I think there's a couple guys that stand out for sure that I've, I've been seeing flying around just their film, but I haven't done my deep diving analysis on it yet. So. Oh yeah. This was, this was just, if you had it off the top of your head, obviously when we get close to the draft, we're going to have a, a show that we really dive deeper into this player and that player and how we looking at projecting the first round, all that good stuff. Uh, the dude you was talking about, I think it's Clark Phillips, the third over here. Clark Phillips third. That's right. From he he has some real good film. He could be a nice fit for the Giants, play man defense. How about Wink? A lot of them, a lot of them to be more um just be better against the run because they don't have to devote as much there and be better against the pass. So I like him a lot. Miles, what about for the Jets? I heard O-line is a big, big, big desire to get in the draft. But what what's your thoughts on what y'all really need the most? We need a center, we need a right tackle, linebackers a need two, and then safety. Right. That's not in order. Maybe offensive line first. Uh, I mean, CJ, at some point, we're going to have to move off of him. Makes a lot of money, and he's still really good, but it's time to prepare for his departure at some point. And then the safeties, that was the biggest weakness of the secondary. Like, we could have had two all-pro cornerbacks, but, you know, if you get past them, those safeties don't help you. So we, I'm looking at, I think his name is Brian Banks or something like that from Alabama, the safety. Um, Paris Johnson from Ohio State, the tackle, and then Skaronsky from Northwestern. Like, those are the three guys I'm looking at, even though all three of them are going to be first-round picks, probably. I mean, depending on how fast the safety runs. But um, with that 13th pick, if we keep it, which is no reason we should be trading it in the first place, it's got to be one of those two tackles. Because, I mean, if we're bringing in a, a quarterback, we're not going to have money to spend on a tackle or a center. We're going to have to build through the draft. and try to make it work that way. So whether that's blocking for Derek Carr or Aaron Rodgers, we got to figure that out. By the way, the guy that you was talking about, from uh, his name is, last name is Branch. Uh, Branch. Speaking yeah. of, you just mentioned A-Rod, you just mentioned Derek Carr. Greg mentioned in the chat, the best thing that I should do is go off, go for Derek Carr and don't even worry about Aaron Rodgers coming out from his whole Oh, and now we find out Groundhog Day if it's going to be Sun or not. Who do you think is the best option for y'all? <laughs> I mean, the best option is Aaron Rodgers, honestly. But the safe option, if you're not worried about, like, the image and the media stuff and, you know, a really good dude, you go with Derek Carr. Like, that's the safest bet. But you're still going to have to pay him 35 $38 million a year, but you're getting a guy who's 31 and maybe a change of scenery reinvigorates him and he can play at a different level. I mean, he'll still be 
the third best quarterback in the division, which is why I'd go for Aaron Rodgers at this point. Like we're too deep into this. Like if Aaron Rodgers is available, you're getting a top five, maybe top three talent in the league when he's motivated and not talking to, you know, you know who on Monday, Monday mornings on Barstool. Um, like that guy is so talented. So I think if he comes to New York and with the weapons that we have here, like he doesn't have to worry about throwing the rookies and guys running the wrong route. You're getting, he's not Devontae Adams, but he's, he's a star in the making in Garrett Wilson. You got Elijah Moore, who I'm sure he'll be a lot more excited to run routes next year. If you got a quarterback who can actually throw him the ball and then we got Brees coming back. So if I had to pick the safest thing from my heart would be Derek Carr. But I mean, we haven't won in 50 years. Why are we playing it safe? We got to go all in for Aaron Rodgers and try to go at a Super Bowl. Like, I don't know if it was true or not with them saying, like, if Derek Carr brings a championship to New York, he'll be a Hall of Fame first ballot. Which I'm sure if that happened, that would be the case. But what are the odds of that happening with Derek Carr? It's possible with that team. You're not asking him to be great. You're not asking him to be a superstar. You're not asking him to win you games. And he can he can he can do enough. He can do enough. You don't need the all-time great talent. You just need someone who can drive the ship. And he's he's certainly more than a game manager. He's he's a, a notch above that. He's really not bad. He's not bad, so I, I'm 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 on Team Derek Carr with this one. If I was a fan of the Jets, because I'm sorry, I don't got the patience for the Aaron Rodgers experience. I don't have it. Like the darkness, we treat him sitting in darkness. Him, him, you know, playing this game where he's trying to add suspense to this easy decision. Yo, where are you gonna go collect your sixty million dollars next year, man? You ain't. You're not retiring. Where are you about to go collect that sixty M's? Because you're not stupid. You're not about to go retire. You ain't about to go live on a farm and all. And and he he's he's crazy, but he's like a different crazy than Kyrie. But they're like they're, they're very similar. You saw how it works for Kyrie here, right? It's gonna be very similar for my man Aaron Rodgers. It's not gonna be much different, man. I'm serious. We're talking about a guy who lied about his vaccination status. Okay, we're talking we're talking about a, a, a flat earther. Okay, we're, we're we're talking about a you know JFK still alive type dude. Okay, we're, t- we're talking about a conspiracy type. Do we talk? You know what I mean? <laughs> you said JFK lie. Yeah, you know, we're talking about that. You know, we, you know, so I, I would be very, very careful about signing Aaron Rodgers it, it, in this in this media market. If you think that that's not going to affect his play, you are dead wrong. It, it it affects you. It affects you playing in New York. It's not for everybody. He is not the personality to deal with this. When you when you up in Wisconsin, where no where everyone only cares about cheese and the Packers, you can do whatever the hell you want. Because, you know, sacrilegious talk bad about a Packer and especially your quarterback. OK, but, you know, like Brett Favre is stealing money from from poor black kids drinking lead out in Mississippi and they don't even talk about it. They don't even talk about it. Yo, he got the nerve to be suing people. Right. Like he's, he's self-righteous on top of it. You know what I mean? So I, he, you can do no wrong. Right. When you're a Packer. Great. But it's different in New York. And we both know that. It's not. It's not a good move. It's not a good place to put your money. It won't even. It won't pan out. You could be asking. He could be asking for a trade in a couple in a year or so. He is. He is Kyrie. He is. He is Kyrie, but white. That's who he is. You know. And, right, hold up. If you had, to, if you were in free agency and you had to pick between 
KD and Carmelo Anthony. You're going to go KD. It's not always about talent. It's not always about talent. I, I, I'll give you an example, a real-life example. There's a kid who tried over my AAU basketball team last week. He hits us up after he made my team. The rosters came out. Six, seven kid, talented, finished with both hands, can shoot, all that, right? Hits, my, hits, up, hits us up. He's like, yeah, I mean, you know, am I guaranteed to start? Uh, you know, I need to be guaranteed to start to come play for you. Um, uh, what else did he say? He's like, oh, yeah, you know, is Greg's team like a glorified C team because the 317 U team that's also is it, you know, this real entitled coming left. I want, I want him gone. I want him gone. I told, I told, I told the director of the program, I want him gone. I don't want, I don't want to coach that kid, period. You know what I mean? Like, that's what I said. Um, and, and I look up his stats, dude averaging like one point a game, nutley, bunch of DNPs. Now, is that Aaron Rodgers? No. Point is, it's not about talent. It's about building a team. And I would rather have the guy who doesn't give me a headache. So if Carmelo Anthony and Carmelo Anthony would give you a little headache back in the day. So I'm not the greatest example. But if 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 it's Carmelo Anthony talent level with no headache, I'm taking that over, you know, transcendent talent level, but give me the headache. I learned my lesson. I got burned by Kyrie Irving. <laughs> I'm not doing that. Give me Macau Bridges. Give me good vibes. Give me good vibes. And the guy will go come to work and play hard every day. I want that. And the, the, the Jets don't need that. You have a great infrastructure in place. You're, you have a real good, damn near great team supporting, supporting cast around the guy. Give him their car, man. You guys are going to ride out to, you guys going to the, the, uh, the, what's it called? The conference championship at the least with that guy. I'm telling you. I think the thing too, that you got to be careful as the Jets organization, if y'all don't have the slightest inclination that y'all definitely can get Aaron Rodgers, I would be careful because you don't want to wait around for Aaron Rodgers and let's say Derek Carr gets impatient and signs elsewhere. That's the only thing I think is you got to be careful because we Aaron Rodgers is such a wild card. Mm-hmm. You you have no idea. That's that's the thing where it's like for Jets, for the Jets organization, Jets fans, I would rather I just go with Derek Carr. Derek Carr actually wants to be there. You already know that. Aaron Rodgers, you're hoping like, you sign a piece that'd be like, all right, he knows A-Rod. He'll probably come over here to the Jets. We don't know. The Joker just was in the dark for three weeks. We don't know what he came out feeling like. You know what? I'm gonna stay in Green Bay. I don't want, I don't want for the Jets with that roster, I don't want them to lose out on getting Derek Carr and then you end up with Baker Mayfield. Like, Garoppolo. Garoppolo would be the way we're, you know what I mean? Baker Mayfield, Garoppolo. Because after after is A-Rod, Derek Carr. And it gets bad. It gets real and bad. Lamar. I mean, Lamar is still the the dark horse here to be had. This nigga ball my shit. <laughs> is he not? Is, are they hey, not are miles apart? Yeah, but you're not getting Lamar. Well, how? What, how? How? What do you mean how? We got the picks. So you're gonna wait? You're gonna wait till this guy because it's a standoff, and they're gonna tag him. Yeah, I know. Wow. And, and you could and possibly end up with nothing if they don't move him. That's what I'm saying. That's a that's such a wild card to uh, to take. Wow. You know, some, you know man. I, I, hey, Miles, I get it. Aaron Rodgers and Lamar Jackson obviously are head and shoulders above Derek Carr. I'm just saying, like, for Let's you, Jets, y'all have one of the best rosters y'all had in a while, bro. And I'm a, I'm a believer in that Jets roster. Y'all just missing a quarterback, man. That's all y'all missing. Bring a God-fearing man like Derek Carr in New York City who's not going to say the wrong thing, man. He's going to be praying for dudes, you know. He's going to be healing dudes in the sideline, divine intervention. That's a good dude, man. You saw how he, he wrapped his arm by Henry, Rugg, Henry, Henry Ruggs. 
It, you know, even though he deserved to be put up in put up in a jail cell like he is, he wrapped his arms around dude, man. Hey, he, got, probably, he probably wrapped his arms around a uh, dude in Alabama. Uh, uh, Brandon Miller. <laughs> it's, he needs he needs intervention. You gotta take it. Yo, take him to go see uh, Pastor West with Chris. He needs that. Someone got him on the right path. We speak in all about New York and the market in New York. We gonna close out the show with D with these. Uh, cause y'all have requested that we talk more about baseball and some people actually, you know, even ask about hockey. So y'all got it this episode. We going to close off the show, baseball talk, some hockey talk on the baseball front. The Mets spent bags this off season in that market. Mm. Are the Mets in general, are the Mets the team with the most pressure to win a chip? This upcoming season? That's a good question. They got pressure on them a chip. I think it's between them and the Padres, honestly. I mean, you look at the Padres, that lineup, one through four, one through five, it's different. I'm glad you brought them up. They're about to lose Manny Machado. He's going to be a Met. They met the Mets swung and missed on Correa, but Machado's going to be a Met. Just remember I said it, save the clip, because when it happens, I, and I don't even know how you can shake your head about it. Who's going to pay him what he wants? He wants 400 M's. You know who's going to pay him? Cohen. The Yankees aren't paying him that. Are y'all paying him that? Why would Cohen do that? He's not going to win for Shohei? Is that... You can get them both. What are we talking about? You can get them both. He's going to get them both. He's going to swing and get them both. I'm telling you, bro. All right, he, then Pete, let's... Pete, you're asked out then. You're not getting any money from Cohen. If you're paying him 400 M's, Shohei, 500 M's. Then you, you're already paying Lindor, what, 350? There's a good chance. I, I think they will resign Pete. And, and maybe, maybe the Machado thing is, is a, bit, a bit unrealistic because of that alone. But I know what they were targeting in the third baseman. And Correa was going to play third base. And, you know, unfortunately, his body's made out of a, a Brillo pad. So it didn't work out. But I think it could work out in this case, you know. It could, it could work out in, in this case um, with, with Machado. But, you know, either way, you get Otani or Machado. One of the two things are happening. And I, I do think they'll keep Pete. I do think they'll keep Pete. I think he's he's worth keeping around. He's a great player. And they have a lot. Of, they have some pressure on the win this year. But I think that not as much as the Padres do. Not as much. Uh, you know, I don't think it's the same. Um, the well, no, not up. even close. Because you guys yeah. have Verlander. You got Scherzer. You, you guys are built to win right now. It's just a question of. If everything comes together, and then the Mets didn't sell out to do it, like he he didn't spend he, that. That's chump change for him. He's gonna really make a push for this thing in next summer. You know what I mean? But the Padres sold out. They're not historically a team that spends a lot of money, and they did that. So there's a lot more pressure on them to win. But I think the Mets are a better team than the Padres are, whatever that's worth. And I think the Mets are a team that can certainly make a, make a push to the World Series this year. I'm excited. I want to beat Atlanta. That's that's the goal. Beat Atlanta, and we we I think we're in a good place. Um, I'm not any and Philly, of course, too. Philly's Philly is obviously proven to be a, good, a very very good team, uh, but beating them both is the goal. We we play in the best the best division in, in baseball, so we we control our division. We win our division. There ain't nobody else we can't beat. Period. That's the way I see it. We play in the that's the cream of the crop. The NL East is the cream of the crop in baseball. Period. So you handle your business there. I feel good about beating anybody else, minus Houston. Houston is throwing money around like it's King of Diamonds out here. That's that's how you guys are playing free agency. I for coming from a Yankees fan, I can't even take you seriously. Like, what are you complaining about? That's what you guys did oh my entire life. <laughs> so what until you guys were broke, which is now. We're not broke. 
Y'all niggas, y'all barely want to pay Jaron Judge. <laughs> y'all made it close. Steph Curry almost got him out of there. Steph Curry's like, yo, come to church with me, bro. I'm gonna show you, I'm gonna show you a good time in, in San Francisco. Come to church with me. Speaking of on the, the AL front, who has the most pressure over there? Uh, Is it always the Yankees? It's always the Yankees because yeah. it's, it's always championship or bust over here. So yeah. that's the point. It's like we brought Aaron Judge back. Cool. That was a given. I mean, there was no doubt he was coming back. But now that he's paid, now we got to see him produce in the postseason. Now we got to see us get over the hump against Houston, which is the biggest thing between us and the World Series right now. They've had your number. <laughs> Yeah, because they know how to build a team. They're not building it off of just home runs. They they got Altuve, who hits for average. You got Bregman, who hits for average. Alvarez, he hits for average. So they're bringing in good pieces. And then they brought in Jose Alvarez, who is a, a stud first baseman on a one-year deal. I'm like, how are they, they going to keep getting away with this? So for us, yeah. We brought back Rizzo, we signed Rodon, and I think our rotation is the best in baseball at this point. Like one through four, not many rotations are competing with what the Yankees got right now. So you're making that face, Garrett Cole, Rodon, Nestor as the three, who's an all-star, and then we got Severino, who could be an ace on any team. An ace? Yeah, an ace. He's got ace stuff. You, that, there's a lot of guys who have ace stuff and they're not aces, Miles. What does that mean? <laughs> all right, look what he looked like when he came back. Oh my God. So he's better than I'm done talking about it. You have a better rotation than the Mets. You have a better rotation than the Mets, Miles? Berlin, Cruiser, Quintana. Really? Was it, uh, was it my man from Japan who just got here? Talking Yanga about or Senga? Senga, Sango, something. <laughs> He has the ghost pitch. He has the ghost pitch that disappears on people, apparently. Come on, man. It's like when you guys got Tanaka, except he's better. (laughs) Come on. I'm just saying, man. Come on now. What what are we talking about? No, don't do that. Talking about Severino. Ace stuff. Yeah, I know some kids in high school get ace stuff too. They ain't aces. In high school. All right, here we go. Yo, so MLB made some changes to try to make the game faster. Do you think some of the rule changes will actually make the sport more entertaining to watch and will actually help speed it up? Because last year, the average game was close to three hours. I like they took the, the shift out. Because that was just yeah, cool. That's it cool. kind of made the game useless. Like you, makes the game it's longer. Hard. It's, yeah, it makes it harder. But, but longer, time, though, doesn't it? Huh? It makes the game longer, in my opinion. Yeah, that's the point. Yeah, it makes the game longer. There's less action. Like you know I'm saying, taking the shift out of the game makes the game longer because there's more hits going to get through. The innings will be extended. Yeah, that's what I meant. There's more yeah. action now. Yeah, yeah. Like it's going to help. It's going to help out those hitters that hit 200 because all they can do is hit it to the right side or the left side. So Where's yeah, we're going to see beating? more action in baseball this year. And then the pitch clock right. that was needed because you got guys looking in for the, the pitch for 20 seconds and then shaking it off the whole time. And then you step off and now you got a five minute at bat for no reason. So yeah, that's, that's big. 
That's fine. I don't, I don't know why they made the bases bigger. It was kind of a weird decision. But uh, yeah, I don't get that. Either. I, don't, I don't get it. Um, what were some of the other rules? Uh, I don't know the other. I think you, I think you pretty much touched on everything. Oh, everything. I know that they were talking about was to try to have the game a little bit faster, and possibly, like you said, more action where it's more scoring. And we've seen in every league, NFL, NBA, even soccer to an extent, the more scoring, the better viewership. The more offense, everybody's tuning in. And what we can definitely say, baseball doesn't have out of the compared to the other sports is not as much offense you'll get offensive games here and there what you get more now in baseball is the the shutouts you get the somebody had 12 strikeouts and the score is three to one which if you're not really just a baseball junkie that might be boring to watch man i mean i like they kept the the ghost runner for extra mm-hmm. innings because otherwise you could have guys not get on base for six innings and now you're at the ballpark for five six hours which yeah that's where i get why people are mad at how long baseball takes so that's the one thing that i applaud baseball for adding a couple years ago to make the game a little faster is that runner on second with no outs because i mean if nobody's getting hits what are we doing that's facts. I totally agree. I, I don't know that it reels in new viewership. You ain't, you ain't reeling in these these Gen Zers that weren't watching baseball to begin with. I'm sorry, they might that ship might have sailed. Um, but yeah, I think it'll be faster and more and more entertaining. If you love baseball to begin with, you'll still love it. And if you, if you're someone who's on the fence about it, you'll still be on the fence about it. I don't think it's gonna make a difference in their viewership and where it goes. I, I don't see that. I, I think that people have kind of had their minds made up about baseball and there's a stigma about it and. They're not totally wrong about their stigma, but I'm someone who happened to love it. So I grew up on that. So it's different for me. But I don't think it's going to change that stuff. Now, to end off the show, one of the biggest storylines in hockey right now is where Patrick Kane is going to end up. If y'all had to predict, where will he end up? And what is the best team for Patrick Kane? Like, where will he best be suited? The Rangers is the fun pick, but all you know, being guys from you know the area, of course, we want that to happen, you know. But I think the Rangers have the young assets to make the move, and they got a lot of because they have a collection of talent on that team, and they've rebuilt they've, they've rebuilt it really nice, and they're in a good spot, right? And they go from Henrik Lundqvist to the uh, their current goaltender now, and um, who's also really talented too. So I think they they're they're talented from top to bottom. They they got really good lines. They their power play is strong. They you know, Panarin, um, Kreider, all those they have there, right? And it, it's, a, it's a real talented group. So you add God Kane, you have a chance to win the whole thing. So the Rangers are a fun pick. I, I, obviously, there are other suitors, of course. I mean, I'm sure teams that have been good over the years, like a Tampa Bay Lightning team or um, – uh, and obviously, I, you know, just going down the list of teams around the league, I mean, that are that are in contention, every team would love to have a guy like Kane. So, I, you know, they'll be suitors, but I think the – the Rangers have a really good package to offer up. And if they get him, I mean, look out, look out. They're, out of all the teams in New York, they have the best chance to bring a championship here, out of all of them. And you think they get the least amount of pub because it's hockey. So, you know, the way I see it. How do you see the, if you had to predict right now, who do you have winning the Stanley Cup? Obviously, you had Colorado won last year. The Rangers did make the playoffs as a second seed. Who do you see right now based off of where we're at in the season as 
the favorites to win. For those that aren't up to Boston right now has the most points when you look at the Eastern Conference. And then on the Western Conference side is Dallas, Winnipeg, Minnesota. I mean, Boston's off to one of their best starts in years. So, I mean, the way they've been playing is just unreal. Like, every night I I feel like they're just going to win, which is why I want the Rangers to get Patrick Kane because they need more firepower in the East to get through teams like Boston and teams like the Maple Leafs because those are the top two teams in the East right now. So, yeah, because in the West, it's a little bit, it's a little bit more closer between like Dallas, Winnipeg, Edmonton. It's way closer than Boston right now. Carolina's close, but outside of that, Carolina and the New Jersey Devils. Outside of that, Boston, like you said, is off to a hot start. Yeah, I would say you know, those those are obviously obviously suspects. I think the Rangers are going to make a move here and be and be in it. Um, and be in it to compete here. They, they, if I'm not mistaken, I think they lost in the, the conference finals, right? To Tampa Bay Lightning last year, right? Was that what it was? They, yeah. were, they were very close to winning last year. So you may get a guy like Kane, and we're assuming, obviously, but they, they get in and have a chance. Um, and against, and, and against the, those Western Conference teams, I mean, Edmonton with McDavid being as good, great as he is, you can never rule them out, right? He's the best player in hockey, I would assume, right? I, I know as great as he is, former number one pick. So, I, is it does it make them a lot to get there? No, but it, it it really does mirror the NBA. The Eastern Conference is where the top dogs are at. You you probably have a championship winner there coming out of the the East, but the West is more of a just it's the wild wild West. You have teams that are all over the place that are closely together, and you could have anyone get out of there, right? And it's a much more there's much more parity in the West Western Conference. So tough to, to to predict, but you know, I'll be watching a little more hockey these days, so I'll be able to talk to y'all a little more about that for sure, for sure. We all going to be tapped in a little bit more. Y'all ask for it. We're going to have it on the show. More hockey, baseball. We're going to have way more baseball this season. We've neglected baseball. Y'all have let us know it's been neglected. We've heard y'all. We got y'all. We're going to talk more baseball, and we're going to talk more hockey for y'all. Basketball, all that, we already know that's coming. But we're going to make sure that we don't neglect that. I don't know about WWE because that's not real. But everything else, we will actually include more. Shoot, we might even talk a little golf, talk about Tiger Woods, McElroy, all of them. But you already know the vibes. If you stay ready, you don't get, you don't gotta get ready. Benchmob ENT, we out. Peace. Ooh.